your host, Albert, and this is episode 236. Viva la Revolución! Thank you, Julius. <laughs> Come on Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. What? <laughs> You're welcome. Reporting in. Reporting, yes. That's right. Today we are freedom fighters. <laughs> we are freedom fighters resisting against German occupation. In uh, France, war-torn France. In France. We are French freedom fighters. That's right. Yes. Freedom, resistance, same thing. And I don't really speak any French. No, honestly, your, your French sounded awful Spanish to me. <laughs> Just, which, you know, you had an accent. That's what matters. Uh, and gusto. You said gusto. Anyway, hi, listeners. So we are going to be talking about McKee. Now, Albert, I believe we've talked about this once before. We did. This is a back-to-the-table game. We talked about McKee quite a few years ago. It's probably one of the first games we talked about. I think, I think when we talked about it, it was in the print-and-play contest at that time. Correct. This was we talked about it. I had actually been reviewing the print and play version. Mm-hmm. Okay. Things have upgraded much since. Then. Yes, I did not play that one. I I remember not playing it at all. But you told me there's an app, so I went and tried the app without reading the rules and got really frustrated. The darn stupid <laughs> game, and I can't figure this out because I don't know what I'm doing and never tried it again. <laughs> but then it got kickstarted a, a few years later, and I went ahead and got a copy that way. And then you got a copy of the extra Kickstarter from the second Kickstarter. And then there's a second Kickstarter, which was it's a second edition. It's basically exactly the same game, same art, and all that. They did add a, a little, a few components. And what I did is I backed it for those extra components that that I was missing, nice. which is not and too much, but yes, it was. It was a and meanwhile, bit. whereas before I had physical and you had digital, we've reversed because now we have an actual copy of the game, and I'm still using the app. Are you okay? <laughs> Sorry, dog. Does the app have all the same components that have been released, do you know, or is there more the or less? The app has all the components that have been released. If you upgrade the app, you have the you can unlock the second edition thing so that you can get the extra spare rooms and the extra missions. Um, so it has access to all the same stuff. It's, it's digital, though. <laughs> yeah, it, and uh, this is on your, on your phone or tablet or something like that. You're playing it. Correct. Okay, yep. And it has all the same artwork and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's a small game, so it doesn't really hurt so much being on a small phone. It's not like playing some of these bigger games. Like, I really wish it was at the table. It is <laughs> But we will mm-hmm. perhaps talk more about that once we review all of the rest of the aspects of the game, or re-review the rest of the access. There we go. Okay. Aspects. So we kind of talked about the summary. Your, your freedom fighters um, during the World War II, French resistance, the Maquis. They were called the Maquis. There's history behind all that. Um, I'll share a tiny bit of it that I looked at. The The word Maquis is actually people of the woods is basically what it means, or the woods. Um, the Maquis was a forest in one of the areas that there was a lot of them fighting at, and they would hide out in the woods. So, you know, oh, these are the wood guys, the wood people. They're, they're hiding. They're the freedom fighters. They just call them the Maquis, the woodies or something. I don't know. So And so the term stuck. And it stuck so well that it uh, it was used for all the resistance fighters during World War II and even in Star Trek Next Generation, right? In a, not Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, where the planet of Bajor, there's Maquis resistance fighters. That's part of the history, by the way. <laughs> Star Trek, yeah. It's in the future. It hasn't happened yet, but it will. Don't worry. 
a little more about the game. It was nominated for a Golden Geek Award, and it did. I don't remember. Did it win the print and play contest or or come um, close to winning? I'm not sure if it did. I think that at the same time as I did my key, I also did the other one, which was the shopping center one, which I can't remember that one. I think that one may have won, but I'm not sure. It's been a while. Yeah, I know it was a big year for for the print and play contest. And there's a lot right. of really good games, is what I recall. But uh, either way, it, it, it was definitely a, a well-received game, well-liked, and, and did quite well, and it got published. There's your summary. So the rules of this game... Um, I've got the physical copy. So the rule book, it's pretty small, and it's pretty simple. There's not really a whole lot to this game. Um, every time I've read I have not trouble with it. It's got nice examples, and it has images. Um, the text is clear and well-spaced out and whatnot. So... Yeah, very, very user-friendly. And then for the digital version, you can either go through the tutorial, which perhaps doesn't cover all of the rules because it doesn't necessarily explain how all of the, the background and some things are. And there's a digital copy of the rules, which is all one screen and a bunch of scrolling. So in terms of the digital version, I felt like it was lacking. The, the fact that the tutorial doesn't completely tutorialize you and says, hey, for anything else, read the rule book. I'm like, really? You couldn't add a couple extra screens to the tutorial and tell me about that too? <laughs> so, and if your version of the rule books and digital is just, here's one giant screen, just scroll, 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 scroll. Eh, okay. But we can make it. As you mentioned, it's not a very big rule book, so it's, it's okay, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It won't give you any trouble. It's it's small enough that even if you're gonna have gripes, you can't have many gripes about it. It's just it's too straightforward of a game. <laughs> so yeah, so there there's the the rules. The I don't think I have anything else to say about the rules. The the theme. Um, the French Resistance fighter. I I don't know about the digital version or the print and play, but I I think with the physical version, I really get a nice sense that that I really am a resistance fighter, a McKee, and mm -hmm. it, it comes across pretty well. I think it's really neat. I agree, especially because there's the missions involved, there's yeah. the representation of what's going on, the different rooms, the fact that your people can be arrested and you don't have access to those people. All of the gameplay elements highly portray the theme. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think very very well done. Um, components then? Should we jump into the components and just zoom along? You don't have much to say about the digital components, I take it. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I don't have anything to say about the digital components. Okay. Do you know if it's available for Android and iPhone? Or, or I believe it is, yes. Okay. All right, so the physical components. So I've got the, the first edition, not the second one. My understanding is the second edition is very, very similar. They kept the look. They might have upgraded the quality of stuff. I don't really know. Honestly, I didn't worry about that. I don't think so, actually, because because the cards are very compatible between the version I have and the, and the new upgrade cards that I got. Um, the the quality is amazing. It's got a nice uh, two-layer board because there's locations, and instead of having counters that you'll put on top of the board, they sit into the board and stay in place on, on the map. Really nice. Just really good. The art style is really nice. Um, the back of the board has artwork that's pretty. I just really like the board. It, it is so impressive. I mean, it's tiny. I mean, the board is... Gosh, what is that? It's probably like 6 by 9 or something when you unfold it. 
six inches by nine inches, so it's tiny. Um, besides the board, you get, well, when you open the box, you can have an insert. You're going to find that there's different types of counters. There's going to be cubes that you use for tracking things, and there's going to be little meeple people for the the Germans, <laughs> the bad guys. There's some in blue and just, some in red. We're just the heads. Yeah, they're just the heads. And then there's little meeples that are your guys, the McKee, the resistance fighters. And there's five of those, and those are complete standing up, uh, just plain white figure silhouettes. So you get all those different things. You also get a bunch of cardboard shits to represent the different things you could get when you're running around town doing your different missions and trying to complete your missions. You could pick up, for example, uh, weapons, money. Explosions. Explosions, yeah. Things to cause havoc. Money to buy things to cause havoc. Food or medicine, I think. Or, or, yeah. So those I very different much things. like the Bolshevik Muppet type missions. Like whose missions? Bolshevik Muppet. Blow stuff up. <laughs> Bolshevik Muppets? I don't know them. <laughs> you don't know the reference? Oh, never mind. Nope, sorry. I know Muppets, but not the Bolshevik ones. So besides that, it also brings a little tuck box for your cards, which is just neat. You don't need a tuck box at all for this game, but it has a nice little, quite a sturdy tuck box, actually. I was surprised how sturdy it is, considering it lives inside a box in, in a... Well, in a box, insert in the, a box. The tuck box you only have because you bought the new content expansion and all they, mm-hmm. gave, they gave you all that. Are you nope. sure? The tuck box came with the original version. Oh, never mind that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the new expansion cards are a different size than the original cards. They're bigger. So they're, they're, not, they're not compatible, but they don't need to be at all. It doesn't make one, well, one bit of difference. No, even in the original one, the new ones are bigger because they're three-star missions. Yes. That's what I said. They are compatible. You shouldn't shuffle them together. Right. You would never shuffle. You would never use a three-star mission with the other missions. So you have no reason to shuffle the big ones with the older little cards. So this is an aspect of excellent design that I comment on many times, that things that are not meant to ever be put together should be a different size or shape. Far too often, many games have things all be squares or all be the same thing. They should have a different shape when they're different. And they did mm-hmm. that here. So your comment about the fact that they're not compatible is on purpose and good design. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. The The cards you do get, there's missions, right? The they're ba- There's one-star and two-star missions. The stars tell you how difficult they are. There's, I think, 14 of those, seven one-star, seven two-stars. There's a turn track card, which is actually, again, a... Uh, a double layer cardstock thingy like the board. So you put the cube in it and they sit in there. They don't, you know, go all over the place and get knocked off because because you got a nice insert there to hold them. There's a reference sheet and a deck of patrol cards that the bad guys are going to use. And that is basically your components. Uh, I will mention the the extra components for the second edition that I kickstarted to get the extra things. It's the, mis- the three-star missions. There's four of them. And they're basically just harder missions than the one or two stars. They're mm-hmm. more advanced. And it brings that, the rules for that, and a couple new room counters that you could use. I didn't mention the room counters before. That's right. There are a number of room counters that you get that you, you could buy them and place them on the board throughout the game. And there's way more than you're ever going to use in a single game. And they're all different, which is nice. So depending on what your missions are or just what kind of strategy you want to take, you may play different missions in a, in a game from one game to the next. Which is neat. So that is that is my component, right? All this in a nice little tiny box. 
let's move on to the gameplay. I think, I mean, I said as much as I can about all the components. They're just top-notch. Top-notch. All right. Gameplay. Uh, the game is very simple. <laughs> Pets. Pets, too. <laughs> the, the, the game is very simple, really. You, um, you are on a board with different locations that are connected throughout the city, and you need to go to different parts of town to do things. Um, you're trying to accomplish two missions. I guess I'm going backwards here. The two missions you're going to set up at the beginning of the game, and there are two different types of things you got to do. They're all very different, and and how they work is different. Let me give you an idea of just what they're like. There's a a bomb for the officer. You want to deliver a bomb to some officer to you know eliminate him. Uh, there's a double agent. You need to find the double agent and uh, eliminate her, I guess. What else is there? A milice parade day. The milice were the the French people that were sympathetic to the German occupation. So you're fighting them and they have a parade and you're going to you know, cause trouble there. German shepherds. You get to, well, sadly, I guess you get to poison the German shepherds. So it's all sad. It's war, right? There's an underground newspaper. You uh, start a newspaper. So there's a lot of different things that you could do as a resistance fighter. And those are the missions you're trying to accomplish. You got two of them to win the game. If you accomplish both, you won the game, right? Um, what you're doing throughout the town is each day going and doing a couple of things. Maybe you got to go to the chemist and, and talk to him and see if you could get some chemicals that you need for your bomb or, or whatever. Maybe you want to go get some food. Maybe you want to recruit other people. Maybe there's an airdrop and then out in the fields outside of town, you need to go pick up your, your supplies or whatever. So all these different things that you're doing. The way you're doing them is basically by putting your counter out on locations. It's a it's a it's a worker placement game, isn't it? Really, that's what that is. Yes, absolutely. you're placing your workers on the board, and then they're doing their missions and coming home, uh, or getting the stuff coming home so you could accomplish the missions. That's basically how the game works, right there. Place your workers, collect your resources, win the game. <laughs> now there's just the trouble of the police. Oh yeah. <laughs> And those guys are troublemakers. So the police are going to interfere basically by catching you. They don't catch you when you go to the locations necessarily. They get you on the way back when they stop you and interrogate you and realize you're you're one of these underground McKee and they arrest you and you lose that worker. Um, the way it works is you put a worker on, on one of the locations and then you draw a card from the patrol deck and it tells you where to put one of the police and you place them on that location. Then you place a worker on a location again for yourself. It's got to be an unoccupied location. So neither one that you, you've you got a worker or that the, one of the bad guys are at. And then after you place your second one, you place another milice. Again, you draw from the patrol deck. And you keep doing this a number of times equal to how many workers you have. There potentially may be more police to, to play. Not necessarily. Um, but you're gonna that's the day part of the turn. You're going to place all the workers. And then the second part is everybody comes home with having succeeded with their theme, returning home with their the supplies they gathered. If they succeeded. If they succeeded, right. And all you got to do is be able to follow. You place your workers on a map, right? All the different locations on the map are connected, and all, they all eventually lead back to home. So all you have to do is get your worker and follow a path back to your home base without uh, coming across any of the milice. If you can do that, you have succeeded. You got your worker. You got your resources. And, and you do that for all your workers, and you're done. If for some reason you can't return a worker home because there's Malise blocking the way, then you got arrested your workers out of the game for the rest of the game. You're, you just have one fewer worker, and and you don't get whatever resources because they never brought it home. 
So, so I basically ran through the turn and how that goes. Is there anything you want to add to that, Julius? I don't think so. I'm no, not in okay. terms of gameplay, but I certainly have comments on it. Oh, okay. Do you want to, do you want to throw in your comments or? Oh my gosh, this feels so random. The way the patrol is done is by just having a deck, and the deck has three different spots on it, and. Theoretically, if they can go to the first spot, they go there. If they can't because it's already covered, they go to the second, then the third. It feels really random to me because I'll be like, hey, I need to go to the black market. And at random, I'll get cut off from the black market. I I know that theoretically, I can check the patrol deck. I can track all the things. I can see where it's likely to do it and what's what's the risk assessment and where is more likely than not based on what's come up in the patrol deck or just look at what's left and then reshuffle. Like there are ways to be able to determine it, but <laughs> for the most part, I don't have the ability to cover all of that in my head. So it just feels completely random. Like I put a guy out and then roll a die to see, Hey, did I get a five or higher? Then I'm caught Four or lower then I'm not. And for me, it feels purely random. I don't know if you felt the same way, Albert. Uh, yeah, it's it's random, but it doesn't bother me because it still kind of feels thematic. Because you're you're going out and you're doing things in town and taking a risk, and you just never know when you're gonna come across patrol. And so that that's the risk. There's things you can do to mitigate it, right? Um, you could put a worker in a location to stop. There's a few key locations that often get the patrol to show up. So if you put a worker there, you kind of made a secure path back for your other workers. So there's a way to play it safe and do that at the risk of not getting as many useful actions each turn. And I yeah. like that. I think that's interesting. And you're able to use it to your advantage a little bit in that, in that, um, how am I trying to say? You, you could set it up for later turns. Like, for example, one of the things you could do is build a safe house out somewhere else in the city. So you can spend the first few turns and, and be very cautious, collect some money, build your safe house, and now you could take more risk later and almost always use all your workers effectively. And you could also, I mean, you lose a worker, but it isn't necessarily permanent. You could you could get another worker. You could go to the cafe and hire somebody else or recruit somebody else. Not well, hire. there's a limited supply of that. You can't do that endlessly. Yes. <laughs> you can't, and you, and you don't want to be doing that every turn because that's, that's wasting the worker for each turn, just like a... Uh, protecting the bridges and the money for them, I think. Also, and the, right, so it would be very expensive, right? You'd have to get money and then waste the worker to go recruit the person. That's yeah. th- th- you won't win the game. So I d- I do like it. I think that it makes it a little tense and and thematic. I think even though yes, it is random. I think that just for me that adds to the excitement. <laughs> it does I'm shaking not- my head because I think it's too random for me. I, I do not enjoy the amount of randomness because it feels uncontrollable to me. It feels like my decisions aren't really making me win or lose. It's just, did they catch me or not? I rolled a die. I, hey, they didn't catch me. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, they did catch me. I, I don't feel like I'm having enough influence on my success, which disenfranchises me. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of enjoy the push your luck, so so that's interesting. It is, I mean, it, and it is it is luck. It's not something well, it's not I'm going to push your luck. It kind of is, because like I said, you could play it safe every turn and just uh, 
guard the bridges and do all the stuff and get your workers home every time. But that's going to be much, much harder to win. You could probably You're still not, do you, it. You, you need enough actions to win. Like, you've got to get out there and, like, get the explosives, go blow up the factory. Like, there's a certain number of, of times you'll have to sneak out. Even if you're playing it carefully, you need to go. You need to go farther and yes. hope you don't get caught when you do that. Yeah, and I think you do have some control because you do see the. You know, you know there aren't that many, or it's, it's a relatively even distribution of the locations. So if you've drawn three of the four or four or five of the cards already, and you've seen one location a lot, mm -hmm. it's a good chance it's not going to show up again. So you could play the odds that way. I recognize that, and that may be more of an issue for playing digital in that. Mm, All of that mm -hmm. happens for you, and so you sort of speed along which ones are coming out and which ones aren't. And I recognize that when you're playing physically, it's a lot easier to keep track of which locations you've seen. When you're playing digital, it just happens. Um, so maybe that's a reason why, but at the very least, when I'm playing digitally, I can't keep track of it all. It doesn't, not naturally. I have to go count. There's nothing yeah. on the digital thing to show what's riskier than others about what's come up or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's why I just don't enjoy digital games. I find I don't I I lose track of a lot of things. Like I remember we talked years ago. We talked about Sentinels of Multiverse, and you loved the digital version. I and did. I tried it, and I was bored out of my mind because I didn't want to bother <laughs> reading the stuff on the screen, and and because it did stuff for me. So I just didn't keep track of it. It was just not fun. You know, Playing the physical version, I am keeping track of everything myself. I know exactly what's going on and with every character, with every, you know, henchman, whatever, because I've myself moved, you know, health on and off of them. Yeah. So, but it's it, way it more. It's funny that we have that flip flop here, where we have different preferences. And yeah. I guess it's just a game by game thing. Yeah, and that's well, and that's the thing that's game by game, and it is just a preference thing too, right? Because I mean, somebody. May may like the the style of the game. Somebody else may not. It really, you know, up for everybody mm. to decide for themselves. But that is that was basically the gameplay, right? It is relatively simple. Yeah. Um. Very quick, easy to learn. Um. Solo. We don't have to go into the solo of it this time because it's it all solo all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the overview. <coughs> Excuse me. Which I so, think we pretty well cover right there. Yeah, I think I think we've said everything about it. Um, I've enjoyed it. You know, this back to table. I I enjoy the game. I didn't play it much the last time. I didn't care for it because I was playing digitally. I got the physical copy anyway, and now like I love it. It's not something I'm going to play all the time, um, but it's a fast, light game to, to pull out once in a while and play. And and it's nice because, like I said, it's easy to learn it. So if I come back a year from now and I don't remember how to play it, it's going to take me five or ten minutes to, to figure it out. And I'm playing again really quick, and it is so easy to set up. It's just fantastic little game, and we didn't talk about you. the art style, did we? But it is. It looks really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the art. It was uh, the game was designed by Jake Staines. We should mention him. He came out in the show years ago. We, we did a, one of the print and play contests. Like when we first game. reviewed it. Mm hmm. Did he do the artwork also? I think he did, right? It doesn't say on the box. Well, yeah, somebody did the artwork, and it might have been Jake. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Cool. Well, I believe that is it for us. Yep. Thank you, and we will talk to you next time. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. 
Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.